Welcome on to The Backstretch. I'm News 5's Heather Williams, and here we are. One race to determine who our championship four will be. Martinsville Speedway, one of the oldest tracks of the country, one of the original NASCAR tracks. I can't think of a better place to sort this all out, to find out who's going to race for our championship than the one and only Paperclip in Virginia. I love this track. Um, it's not my favorite track. I mean, I live in Bristol. I feel like Bristol needs to be my favorite track, and the racing always delivers at Bristol. But I do love Martinsville. I do love the beating, the banging, the bump and run, all of those things. I think it just makes for fantastic racing. This spring race at Martinsville, notwithstanding, that was not its greatest day. But, hey, they can't all be home runs. Sometimes you just got to pound out doubles and singles and uh, take a walk every once in a while. But in general, Martinsville is a great, great racetrack. As we head to Martinsville, still a lot of talk about what happened with Bubba Wallace two weeks ago. The fact that he had to sit out last week's race at Homestead. Uh, Bubba talked to the media at Martinsville over the weekend. You know, I wish we could just all lay this all to bed, right? I'm, I'm Bubba had to talk, right? I mean, he missed last week's race, so he had to come out and say something about the situation, what happened, what happened between him and Kyle, the discussions that were had between him and Kyle. I get it. But now can this just all be over with? NASCAR's drawn the line in the sand. We know what it is. I'm not sure the drivers knew before, but we definitely know now. So it's over with. I get so tired um, and especially in Bubba's case, because he's held to a different standard. I get that uh, than other people for a myriad of different reasons. Whatever you claim your reason is that you don't like him. If you don't like him, he's held to a different standard than other drivers, which is fine. But now let's just move forward with it. I think that spotlight this week should totally be on the seven drivers trying to get those final three spots in the playoffs. I can't wait to see who it is coming up at my final thoughts. We're going to make some predictions of who I think is going to be in there. Also, maybe let a little bit of that slip when I uh, chat with Chris here coming up. My guest this week, again this week, is Ross Chastain. I can't think of a better guy to talk to going into the second to the last race of the year than good old Ross. Like I said in the past, I've been interviewing Ross for a long time. It's been really fun to see him kind of claw and fight his way into the upper tier of a NASCAR driver and now be in a position to possibly race for a championship next week. It's incredible uh, what the old watermelon farmer has accomplished over his career and hopefully a chance to really, you know, add a great feather in his cap just making the championship four but also possibly getting a championship next week at phoenix so we'll talk to ross and what we'll go into this weekend at martinsville all right let's get it going we're joined as always by our crew chief chris carrier who also happens to be the crew chief of the number 75 food country truck in the camping world truck series chris let's start with this kyle larson wins at homestead he becomes the fifth different non-playoff winner to win this postseason he also found himself involved in the little incident on Pitt Road. Obviously a dangerous situation. Can you break down if it could have been avoided, you know, the sun or, or the tight victory, uh, Pitt Road or if, uh, if that was just something that happens? 
Uh, I'm going to go with the thing that's something that happened. Um, now, the sun and, and all these conditions, yes, those are real. Is it an excuse? No, because with this, with this there, there are unprotected people involved. There's pit crews involved. Those are human beings. Those are, those are husbands and wives and boyfriends and children and fathers and so on and so forth that really don't have much protection from a race car come spinning into you or crushing you into the other race car. So uh, I think we've got to look at this. You know, I, I know that, that it is very competitive on pit road. When, when the drivers come on pit road, they're going to be right up on somebody else's tail. They're going to be, you know, they're not really supposed to be side by side, but they're going to be trying to get everything they can get. Uh, you know, I, I know that, that uh, Martin probably brake check a little bit or brake late. And, and Kyle got in the back of him, but still, you got to think about, okay, this is not a spin out on the racetrack involving drivers who are surrounded by safety equipment in a big, bulky race car. This is involving people on pit road that have no protection. So uh, I've always been an advocate of the, the things I see on pit road uh, that, that aren't safe, and I've, I've, I've been a couple times probably opened my mouth when it got me in trouble, but I don't care. It's about people that I care about. It's about things I've done before in way earlier life. But, you know, we got, we got to think about those guys too because, you know, they're human beings and they're out there doing a job and they help put on good races for our fans to watch. They're a very big part of it. Got to take care of those pit crew guys. So we got to look at this and see if there's something we can do about it. Chris, we didn't get to talk much last week about NASCAR benching Bubba Wallace. So let's close the book on that incident with your thoughts on the penalty. Was it too much, just right, or not enough? I've heard all this, really, to be honest with you, Heather, from people. I just, I think we've, we've gummed it to death. Look, the, the, the young man made some mistakes, even with he was probably antagonized into something. He was, he was uh, you know, Kyle got into him, so on and so forth. It happens a lot. And Bubba had a right to be angry. Even Kyle said that. But he made some mistakes. His reaction was over the top. He did some things he shouldn't do. NASCAR looked at that. They looked through the history of, of incidents like this, situations that were, were similar. And they also looked at, like, okay, what do we want the future to be like? How do we keep some of this from going out? Of, and I think they made the best decision they could make at the time, go on and go forward. That's what they've done. I'm 100% sure that Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson and all the people, the teams, have said, okay, it's done, go forward. It's time for us to go on and go forward, and things will be better. Because if we keep yapping about it and, and stirring the soup and everything, it's just going to keep things, it's going to make it worse. It's not going to make it better. We need to go on and see who's going to win this championship and who's going to win this race at Martinsville this coming weekend. I think Bubba and his team agree with you. I've been impressed with the way that they've dealt with it from Denny and the team saying we're not fighting this. We agree with no. you to Bubba tweeting out a picture of him at 2311 headquarters on Sunday watching the race and helping his team. I think everybody is knows that it was a mistake and the right thing to do and is move forward. You know, it's, it's use it as a learning experience. I think that's what we're going to do as a whole, as a business, as a sport and the people involved in it. And we're going to say, okay, this wasn't good. It was ugly. Let's, let's, let's try to make sure this doesn't happen again. And I, whether it was too, I think the penalty was, was fit the means. I thought it was very good. He'll come back this week. I think he'll have a good, you know, clean couple of races. Now, if there's more of it, then they need to react a little bit harsher. 
but you know, just let's just go on and go and go go forward and, and quit quit beating that you know quit beating <laughs> that dog to death. My goodness, go on, let's, let's race. We All got right. racing to do. Well, let's, speaking of races, still just one driver locked into the championship for Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, and William Byron are currently the other four drivers in the postseason. Danny Hamlin and Ryan Blaney can still reasonably point their way in. Christopher Bell and Chase Briscoe need the win to get in. Who's your final four? Whew, what a scenario, my goodness. I, I'm thinking uh, Heather, of course we got Logano. I think Ross Chastain's gonna have a solid enough day. I think he's a mature driver. He'll have a solid enough day. He'll be the second one in. But man, after that, you know, you got Chase Elliott has a proven record at Martinsville. Um, so has Denny Hamlin, so has William Byron. Okay. Winner in the spring. One of those, you know, two of those four, I think are gonna make it in. My picks are gonna be Elliott and uh, maybe not Elliot, maybe Byron and Hamlin. Along with Logano and Ross Chastain. Along with Logano and Ross Chastain. I think, well, Logano is in, and Ross Chastain is gonna be in if he just doesn't have a, you know, a terrible weekend, which that's part, there's a lot of scenarios. We were talking about it before the show started. There's a lot of scenarios here that could happen. It's a 500 mile race. There's a lot of beating and banging. There's a lot of mechanical things can happen in this race. There's a lot of changing conditions throughout the race. Ooh, man, this is, it's going to be good stuff. Well, if I've, be good anything, stuff. if I've learned anything this year is that whatever you think is going to happen is definitely not going to happen. Probably so not going to happen. How about <laughs> I think that the final four will be Logano, Chastain, Hamlin, and Ryan Blaney. Because Ryan Blaney runs terrible usually at Martinsville, but... That's this year's never been about. Look at Bristol. All the guys that were supposed to be really good at Bristol were terrible. Right. Uh, Danny right. Hamlin, right. Uh, Joey Logano, uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, all of those guys did not show up at Bristol. The only thing that's been consistent about this year is whatever's supposed to be for certain is not for certain. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're just keeping on with it, and I think it's going to go right down to the wire that way. I think when we go to Phoenix, looking a couple weeks ahead, you're going to be watching that race to the bitter end, thinking, my gosh, this guy's got it, that guy's got it, things are going to happen. Pit stops, strategy, crashes, whatever. It's hard to tell. All I can say is stay tuned. <laughs> Last chance to make the championship for this weekend in the Commonwealth of Virginia. What's the key to getting around that old paper track, paperclip trap? Uh, well, patience, okay. Knowing when to be aggressive when it's time to be aggressive, not too early, not too late, because times to pass sometimes they come and go. That time to take that position, come and go without tearing your own stuff up, much less somebody else's. You know, brakes have always been an issue. I don't think on these new next-gen cars it will be as big an issue as in the past. Uh, there's things, the, the failures on the cars a little bit this year that have caused some uh, disgruntlement, you know, are, are always concerned. But just basic, again, just basic handling balance, trying to find a way to get both ends of your race car to grip to be able to turn right in the middle of that corner, to make that apex, and then to be able to use the gas coming off the corner. Um, it, it's always hard. I don't care if you're running a next-gen car, uh, an Xfinity, a truck, a barn wagon, a go-kart, whatever. It's, it's always the same thing there, and it's not easy. These, these are heavy race cars with a lot of power and you know, basically kind of narrow tires for the size of cars they are. So. Um, that the, the crew chiefs and the race engineers are going to be scratching their heads a lot doing their homework. The drivers are going to be hoping they get it right. And then the communication in the race about, okay, here's what I need. 
help me out here, guys. I need to turn a little bit better, but don't hurt my forward drive. That's hard. Man, as a crew chief, it's like somebody wanting, I want my steak, uh, you know, not, not overdone, but I, don't, I can't eat it raw. So, you know, it's tough. It's a tough place. 500 miles, going to be physically taxing. It's going to be hard on the cars, too. The guy in the seat's got to keep his head on his shoulders and make sure he has a car, enough car left in the last 100 laps to go, go after the win. All right, thanks for joining us this week again, Ross. So we just talked to you a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we are almost there. You are one race away from the, from the championship four. What do you have to do this weekend in Martinsville? Score more points than four or five other guys. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've, our body of work has gotten us here and, and we've transferred through the rounds, like you said, and, and learned a lot. Um, you know, we've had really good runs the last two weeks, but three weeks ago, I almost took us out hitting the wall at the Robles. So um, that was a, a very apparent um, and stark reminder that this could all be gone in one corner of any lap in any race. And it's no different in Martinsville. We've got 500 laps. That's um, 500 opportunities, but also opportunities to to misstep and place a foot wrong. And um, the Cup Series does not reward that. How do you? How do you feel about Martinsville? I mean, do you feel like it's a good track for you? Is it a good track to try to to race your way into a championship? Or, um, you know, what what's your feeling on this weekend? I love it. Uh, I've been a fan of Martinsville since I was a kid. And I remember the first truck race I ran there. And, and aside from really the very first truck race and then one more where I had an opportunity to win, it's humbled me every time I've went there. And I still love it. I just, I love driving up there. I love getting a hot dog before practice all the way loaded. And it's just driving around it and racing on it. Even when I haven't ran good, I just walk out of there, you know, in the moment upset, but um, just happy that I got to drive at Martinsville again. And um, I don't expect that to be any different this weekend, but obviously um, points are the of utmost importance. So um, we just want to score points. So since you're currently in second, I know that it's it's not a huge margin down to, to, to fifth, but you're, you're more comfortable than other guys. How do you approach this weekend? Are you going stage points? Are you going for the win? Or is it going to be one of those things where once you qualify and see where you start, that might change the strategy? Like, how do you approach the weekend? Yeah, just go try to go fast. I mean, our qualifying efforts have not been where we wanted them to be for a track house as a whole. So we want to definitely put a better foot forward in qualifying. Um, you know, and then from there, we'll, we'll make our plan. Um, the, the chances of having to choose stage points or race finish are going to be small, but there might be a timely or untimely caution where you have to choose. But I think it's going to be stage points and race finish, not or. And, um, you know, if we're, if we're putting our foot one foot in front of the other throughout the race and, and performing how we expect to and how we're preparing to, then we'll, we'll get a little bit of both. And um, that's, that's exactly what we, what we're uh, wanting. You said uh, your qualifying efforts haven't been what you wanted at track house, but I mean, if you were going to try to find like a little tiny, small blemish on the season, that might be it. How, how would you evaluate this year for you guys? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's wild that, that that is really our biggest weakness is qualifying. And uh, it's not races. It's definitely not pit road. It's not restarts. It's not, um, you know, strategy. And 
it's just a it's a wild uh, it's a wild thought to think about um, what all we're doing right, but we're we're competitors and we always want to be better. So um, you know, I'm gonna sleep a lot better Saturday night when we go out and execute and run a good lap and uh, get ourselves a decent starting spot. When you look back on this season, I mean, everybody dreams of being in the position you're in, but very few drivers, even some of the best, aren't in the position that you are. So, I mean, if you look back on this season, would you can you give it a, a grade or an evaluation of what this has been for you guys? Not yet. I mean, we look, we have passed, right? We, we're definitely, we're definitely, uh, we've accomplished our goals, but we didn't know what to expect or how to even set our goals. I mean, we spent an entire day, I'm going to say in January, laying out the pillars and the foundation of what we wanted track house to mean and stand for and what were our competition goals on track, but also what were our personal goals and what did we want for each other and who wanted to move up in the team in in future years and who wanted to, you know, just keep, like what what did Trackhouse mean behind the name? And we were spelling that out and writing it on giant pieces of paper on the wall in January. And here we are, you know, both cars in the playoffs, winning races and uh, transferring through the rounds. So um, yeah, to go from that breakfast, which turned to lunch, which turned to all afternoon of just laying out the foundation and writing down what we truly thought track house meant and what we wanted it to be to now executing is uh, is a wild thought so when because i'm going to be positive here when you guys transfer to the championship for what is that going to mean for you and for track house i don't know i've never been there i've never done it i've never experienced it so i don't know what that feeling will be like internal or externally what I'll be able to put into words um you know either way I don't know um y'all are watching us learn all this and me specifically experience all this for the first time and you know your guess is good in mind of how we'll react all right joining us now is Clay Campbell from the Martinsville Speedway first of all Clay thanks for joining us thank you Heather good to be here so obviously huge weekend for you guys this weekend uh fans that are headed out to the track uh what do they need to know when they when they when they get onto your property this weekend they need to know they're going to have a wonderful time we've got a lot of things in store on track and off track and that's one of the focuses of our of our team here is once you as a fan arrive on our property we've got something for you to do from the time you get out of your car until you get back in it once you leave the race. But uh, it's going to be a great weekend. We've got Modifieds, the Virginia's for Lovers, Racing Lovers 200 on Thursday night. Uh, that's their championship event. Then we go into Saturday with the Dead on Tools 250 for the Xfinity Series and then cap it off with the big one, the Xfinity 500 on Sunday. You guys have one of the most coveted positions in all of NASCAR is the cutoff for the championship race. Your track was already great anyway, and one of the favorites of, of most of the drivers. Um, what does it say about this track that it was chosen to be a cutoff race for the championship? And that, that's a good question, and I think it says a lot, because uh, that's, that's an important race. I think it's one of the most important, because you come in here with eight drivers dying for the championship four, and you leave with a four. So I think it's one of the most critical, crucial races on the schedule. We're excited to be in that penultimate 
placement. So I think it says a lot for what fans and drivers, uh, the network and NASCAR think about Martinsville Speedway. So much history in your little track going back to even before NASCAR was formed. Uh, just talk a little bit about, about the track's place in the history of NASCAR. Well, obviously, as you said, it predated NASCAR by a year. And my grandfather, Clay Earl, started it as a hobby, a dirt track. Uh, his philosophy was to continue to grow the facility and make it a place that a family would feel comfortable and want to come. And I think what he wanted then, we still do now. We keep improving. We keep refining what we have. We're, we never sit on our laurels. We never sit on the fact that we're such a historical track. We've been here 75 years. We want to be here another 75 years, and we want to keep growing and provide everything that every entity of you know this sport expects when they come here. When I ask drivers what their favorite track is, they usually give me one or two answers. They'll say Bristol or they'll say Martinsville. Why yes. do you think that people love Martinsville so much? I think it, uh, it just harkens back to the origins of our sport. It's a short track, just like Bristol, but I think fans love that because they see everything uh, right in front of them. They're up close and, and personal with it. Uh, it, it. It rings back to earlier days, but if you look at the facility now, it's modern and it, it keeps progressing year in and year out. And fans know they're going to see a, a, a great event. All right. Talk to me about these hot dogs. I mean, I know when your family started selling hot dogs in the grandstands that they did not expect it to be this cult favorite that it is today. What makes a Martinsville hot dog so special? I don't know, Heather. It, it's just a fact that it started out as, again, my grandfather was a visionary. He wanted a, a better food product than you'd find at most baseball stadiums and things like that, where you go, go get a hot dog and you got to put everything on it yourself. These hot dogs are warm, they're fresh, and you know, you get everything on it unless you specify otherwise. It just grew over time. It was never something to that was planned on being such an iconic product. Same thing with the grandfather clock that we give to the winner. It, it was never intended to be such a significant part of the track, but both of them are now. Yeah, I was going to ask about the trophy where there's a little bit of a split opinion about what the best track is. When I ask drivers what the best trophy is, they always say your clock. So what is, why the cool thing? I mean, there are a million things that could be given as trophies, but this is just like above and beyond, it seems like. Well, again, it goes back to my grandfather. He wanted to give the driver something that was special, not just a, a cup or whatever the case may be. And the clock was actually made about three miles from the speedway. So that was a, the tie at the beginning. And then it just became you know, the norm for a long time, we only gave it to cup winners. Now we give it to every race that we have here wins a clock. Uh, and, and the drivers like it. If you looked at uh, a lot of them tweeted or whatever, but they put the, the clock in a significant part of their house. Uh, and we like that. Uh, if, if the driver likes it and his wife likes it, it's going to be in a good place in the house. In my little segment with Chris, I think I alluded to this. The championship four next week at Phoenix. You look at the eight drivers that are still alive in the playoffs. Obviously, Joey Logano won the opener at Vegas. So he is already in the championship four. Then when you look at the other seven drivers, you've got several drivers that are very good at Martinsville. Denny Hamlin 
being obviously probably the best active driver at Martinsville. William Byron won the race in the spring. Chase Elliott is very good at Martinsville. And then you've got some guys that, well, I don't know. Maybe they're good at Martinsville. Maybe they're not good at Martinsville. In Chase Briscoe, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney. So what do they, what, what will they bring to the table this weekend beyond desperation? Which desperation can be a powerful motivator and can make guys do things that maybe you didn't know they had in them. I mean, look at Christopher Bell a few weeks ago at the Roval. Who knew he had that in him? But there he was in victory lane moving on. If you twisted my arm, I'm definitely not putting any money in Vegas on it. But if you twisted my arm and made me pick my championship four... I think my final four would be obviously Logano. Ross Chastain, I think, is in a really good position as long as he doesn't have a major mistake on Sunday. I think Ross is in. And then the last two, I think, is where it gets interesting. I really like Denny Hamlin. He's been about as consistent as you can be in the playoffs. He's very good at Martinsville. The spring notwithstanding, I think that that they'll figure it out. That's a really good race team. And he just always seems to find a way to find his way into the championship four. So I like Denny Hamlin. And then for that last position, I kind of like Ryan Blaney. Now, I know that means that Ryan's probably going to have to win this race, and that probably won't happen. I think more likely you'll probably see uh, William Byron or Chase Elliott in that final spot. But I don't like the way that Chase Elliott has run in the playoffs. They have totally relied on on their championship in the regular season points-wise. Chase told me this when I talked to him last week to keep advancing in the playoffs. And to get to that final four, you need a little bit more than that. Now, the nine team definitely has it in them. They have the ability to race their way in. They're, they're on the positive. They're to the good right now. But they haven't really shown up in this final round of the playoffs before the championship four. So maybe they can dig deep and find something. I say that between him and William Byron, Chase would be my favorite of those two to get in. So I guess if I'm being realistic and practical, I would probably say Chase Elliott is the last guy in, but I wouldn't at all be surprised if Ryan Blaney gets in. I just, I have a feeling about that 12 team and just how consistently they've been running all year. So can't wait for this weekend. Can't wait to see what happens and can't wait to see you guys next week on the backstretch. stretch.